Ladies and gentlemen, it is Dietrich Davis, the host of this podcast, a.k.a. King Bumaye, the world boss, publicly known as PKA, if you didn't know, Diamond Head, one part of the greatest and most illustrious tag team and podcasting today and will be legends in the future of myself, Dietrich Davis. And my co-host, who is not here with me right now, Mark Morell, the Night Buster. Renaissance man. He had a few names during that period. I can't remember. If I'm right, Renaissance man belonged to someone else. Anyhow, but it's his now because I said it. Anyhow, so with that being said, you guys read the topic. Today's episode is going to be very direct and very on point. It is the end of the year, and like last year, me and Mark always came up with our top 10 list. This list will be the top 10, and we have different categories that he's recording on his side, I'm recording on my side. But today, I want to talk about the top 10 worst and top 10 best things, that things that I love that AEW did. Now, I do not have a love-hate relationship with this company, but I do have a I'm happy for and disappointment relationship with this company. With that being said, though AEW got off to a big start, there's a lot of things that they did not do wrong. And there's a lot of things they absolutely did wrong. On this particular episode, I'm I'm sipping on a glass of Honey Jack. Straight no chaser. But I want to get in to the great things that AEW did in the top 10 category and the worst things AEW did. They're a phenomenal company. They're on point. They know what they're doing. They are creating another wrestling alternative, just like Impact and Ring of Honor and New Japan and Star and so on and so on and so on. There has always been alternatives to wrestling. But... There is now the official big four of wrestling, one being AE, one being WWE, number two being AEW, number three being New Japan, and number four being Impact Wrestling. And let's not get it twisted. Number five is AAA. And that's my personal opinion. Then Ring of Honor and so on and so on and so on and so on. Those five belts are the five belts that mean everything in the business of professional wrestling. But to not to stray off the topic, we have to talk about everything AEW did good. So I'm going to start off with my top 10 list. I'm going to be giving you breakdowns, reasons why some of these lists may be long. Some of these deaf breakdowns maybe of the reasons why I love it may be long. Some may be short. Some may be disappointing to you, but this is my top 10 things that I love. It's not saying this is what everyone thinks to say this is what they love. I'm just saying there will be no honorable mentions. There will be no sharing categories. This is Dietrich Davis's official top 10 things he loved about AEW this year. Starting off at number 10. And and um, so I have number ten. I thought something that was huge. 
was the AEW bringing in Mike Tyson for the for for the match that did not happen for the Tyson versus Jericho feud. You brought in that raw power and passion and energy that comes from Mike Tyson. You brought in someone who actually respects the business, understand the business, and did a big piece of business for WWE at one point during the course of WrestleMania 14 and through the course of WrestleMania 14. He's the only other member of the Stone Cold University, a.k.a. SCU. That was a big T-shirt at the time. But Mike Tyson coming over to AEW was huge. And the fact that we would have saw Mike Tyson in a wrestling ring is huge. And because people think Mike Tyson is a complete out-of-control animal, they don't realize that he might have been great at giving us a great wrestling performance because he's an athlete. Though I do not expect him to be jumping off the third rope and doing all these things, he uh, he is athletically inclined and was capable of giving us something special. And I thought that Mike Tyson was going to do something, but something do something great. But I thought something changed the course of that. And Mike Tyson and Jericho was pure gold. You can melt that down and resell it over and over again. But it got thrown off, and that is on my top ten list of the worst things that happened in AEW, things that I hated. Moving on to number nine. The Stadium Stampede match. That was a great cinematic match for AEW. They took advantage of the baseball arena. They did everything they were supposed to do. All parties involved did their thing. They knew it wasn't meant to be taken seriously, but they took it serious enough to give us what we needed. And I thought that was a great cinematic match. I think they took advantage of the fact that there was no fans around and they had to give us a little bit extra when at the beginning of the, uh, am I allowed to say, COVID-19 outbreak. And in the beginning of the shutdown, uh, AEW really, really put their best foot forward and gave us some of the best content that we saw at that point. And if anyone hates on the the, the, the stadium stampede match, they're just, they're just being shitheads and they don't know how to enjoy themselves. The number eight thing that I thought that I loved about AEW, the eighth thing that I loved about AEW this year was was Myro coming to AEW because of his issues with WWE. It was a great debut. It wasn't overdone. It wasn't underdone. He came in as the uh, as the best man. It was great. Fans got to see uh, Myro and seeing him show up, a.k.a. Rusev, and seeing him show up on AEW television showed us and a lot of people that WWE did not win and that there is life after wrestling for a lot of people who left, who leaves the alleged great helm or the great kingdom of WWE. And Myro is a phenomenal talent. Um Hopefully he's used to his maximum potential going into the next year. But that was a great debut for him. It wasn't over the top. It wasn't it wasn't undercooked. It wasn't overcooked. It was right there, right in the medium, right in the middle of the in the middle. It's the best place to have a stake. And he was that one hundred percent. Number seven. Everything Orange Cassidy did for the year of 2020. Talking about a wrestler firing at all cylinders who could not and did not miss a fucking shot. That 100% was Orange Cassidy. The best-selling shirt on pro wrestling tees. Highest rated segments 
on AEW Wrestling. He held his own and a gimmick that started off as a joke has now become one of the most respected and entertaining gimmicks in the, in the, in the age of professional wrestling at this point. When there was a crowd, he held your attention. When there's no crowd, he holds your attention. And he's definitely what I would consider an AEW original, though he worked in the indies. He was definitely a dude who rebranded himself, and that rebranding brought him to the dance, which is AEW. So Orange Cassidy, he's in my number, number seven spot, and he definitely had the best fucking, one of the best years in AEW, and everything he did was done right. Um... Number six, which, you know, a lot of people don't realize it, but AEW Dynamite has only been on TV for one year. So my number six is the successful full year of October 2nd to October, October 2nd, 2019 to October 2nd, 2020 of Impact having a successful, successful 56 weeks, um, excuse me, 52 weeks of programming. And along with that, another 52 week, uh, another 52 weeks of AEW Dark. But the fact that they were capable of putting on a successful television show on the TNT network, which we all know we have not seen it, uh, T, um, TNT allow wrestling on their network since March or I believe April of 2001 when they did the last Nitro. And AT&T just didn't want to do AT&T and AOL just didn't want it nothing to do with the business of professional wrestling. But long story short, that was a phenomenal thing. I thought I think it's great that they were excuse me, that they were able to stand the test of time on cable slash network television and hold their own against WWE. And for several episodes. Over the course of that 52 weeks, they definitely had their foot on the neck of Triple H and his NXT brand over at WWE. I thought it, I think it's good. I think it's best for business. And I think they need to keep on going. And if I'm right, they just had their highest rated AEW with Shaq over there, you know, and, and what Miss what Miss Caldwell and shit like that. So I think. Um. They need to keep this going and keep this up because AEW is in the right place at the right time. And there's no such thing as too much content. It's just what you do with it. And AEW is learning what to do with their TV time and how to spread it out. Um, number five, and we don't know if this is going to be a full thing, but if this is going to be a, a year, a year, two year, three year contract, I'm all for this. Snoop Dogg joins the AEW commentary team. If anybody saw Mike Tyson versus Roy Jones or whatever that fight was, Snoop was one of the best commentators on that show, and he was the prime definition of color commentary, no pun intended to him being African-American uh, or myself being African-American. But the point is um, Snoop Dogg literally went out there and he took his job serious in AEW recognized. And I hope this leads to him being one of the best announcers and then broadening and professional wrestling itself, broadening the scale of who they allow and what they allow as colored commentary on those microphones to help enhance the talent. Because as horrible as that boxing match was, Snoop Dogg enhanced the show. And that's what you want from a commentary team, especially a colored commentary, which is an outside source. Um, Coming in at number four, Four and AE and, and and this is I'm gonna say this because we needed this. 
But coming in at number four is AEW staying on TV while the world went into a full fucking lockdown. Wrestling, I mean, movies stopped, theater stopped, dining stopped. The only thing that was open was hospital, airports, and professional fucking wrestling. Until a certain point, even all sports had stopped. But sports entertainment, a phrase dubbed by Vince McMahon himself, created by Vince McMahon himself, sports entertainment, everything that we watch, this, this wrestling business, a formula that Vince McMahon created. There is no breaks. There's no off-season in WWE. And unfortunately, AEW followed suit. There is no, there is no off-season in AEW. And they proved that when they figured out a way to work through the pandemic without that audience and still bring entertain, entertainment to us week by week, whether you liked it or not. That is not an easy feat there was a lot of legalities involved and a thousand things that had to happen. But the reality of the situation is they did it and they did not have to do it. Now, they probably had to deal with a couple of legal television issues and this, that, and the other if they didn't do it. But they, they held their test of time. They, they, they let their nuts, nuts hang and they went after it and they fucking did it. And you can't knock them for that. A lot of people couldn't figure out how to do that. Number three for the year of 2020 that I love that AA, um, that AEW did was creation of the TNT championship. It gave them a way to create a television a belt just for the network to use to enhance talent. And I'm 100% one of those people who believe anything that you can use to, to enhance talent, use it but make sure it's decorated right. So instead of creating an intercontinental championship or a United States championship, like all of the other companies do, they created basically a television championship, which hasn't been seen since WCW and the TNT days. You know what I'm saying? Since the ECW days and WWE, I guess you can say their 24 seven belt is the television championship in a sense. But they have a belt that actually represents the network. So just in case the world champion is there, there was a champion of the network. And I think that's great representation. I think that's a great second tier belt. And that belt, hopefully, if it's done right, is going to be booked to where it's only enhancing some of the best talent. And let's hope that belt never falls into the wrong, the wrong line of st storytelling. The number two thing that I have to say I loved about AEW this year with Sting showing up. Sting's appearance in AEW showed us that the Stinger still got the star power. He shocked the world. It wasn't marketed or booked that Sting would be showing up. Half of the locker room didn't even know Sting was there. Sting showed up. It was business. It was great. And he gave the cosign to Darby Allen, Darby Allen, letting him know he's the one and he's next. An original, homegrown, AEW superstar. He didn't co-sign someone from the WWE who showed up there. He didn't co-sign someone from New Japan. He didn't co-sign someone from Ring of Honor. And he didn't co-sign anyone from Impact. When he stood face-to-face -face with Darby, he gave them the co he gave him the co-sign of the fucking century. And we got to respect and appreciate that. Because he was firing on all cylinders with that one, and I love it. Um, and and that and Darby Allen, he though I do not like his in ring 
performances, and I mean in-ring performance, I don't like him hurting himself, but I do like the fact that he is out there and you guys heard me speak on this before. He's the future. We just need to preserve him so he can really last as long as possible. And the number one thing that I loved that was great about AEW this year was Kenny Omega winning the AEW championship as he is the AAA mega champion and creating the crossover promotions of the century. And I'm going to talk about this on a later podcast. But I said to Mark one day while he was on the phone, there needs to be someone needs to take the 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 the, the storyline of how Jordan accumulating all of the rings from all of the Green Lanterns and becoming just obsessor of a villainous hill that collects championship belts. And ladies and gentlemen, Mark did not agree with that. But the one thing that I told him I think will be a great storyline in WWE turned out to be the best storyline to come out of AEW this year. To me, my personal opinion, it's the greatest piece of booking they have done thus far in creating a collector of world heavyweight championships. I think that is dope. He is all, And them allowing him to be the, AE, the AAA um, mega champion. At the same time that he's over at um, Impact Wrestling and over at AEW. And hopefully he wins the Impact World Heavyweight Championship. I think it's a great thing. I think it's a dope thing. But we'll go to see. We'll, we'll go figure out what's going to happen from there. And hopefully he may return with the, with the, with the IWGP Championship. That is creating the ultimate World Heavyweight Champion. So to me, those are the top 10 things that I loved and, and, and enjoyed and thought was great about AEW. But when there's 10 things that you love, there's 10 things that you hate. And ladies and gentlemen, when wrestling, as Kevin Nash said, when wrestling is good, is good. But when wrestling is bad, is bad. And I know AEW is in its infancy, but there was a lot of bad. Let me take a sip of my honey jack. Allow me to get started, ladies and gentlemen, from number motherfucking 10. And this is, this is, this is me personally. This is not a voted on thing. This is just that I was going to say the entire number 10, the entire booking in AEW since the existence of the company and the lifetime for the last year that has been on um, TNT has been weak. They've barely built, they've they only built Darby Allen in my personal opinion. There was no great builds. There was no great fight atmosphere. This was a consistency of dropping the ball. And this is the most terrible booking anyone should have. And what's protecting them is the TNT logo, the AEW brand, and a lot of fans who don't know how to, a lot of fans who just love everything that they do, whether, whether good or bad. And I'm not knocking that, nor am I against that. But let's keep it motherfucking real. TNT impact, t- TNT's Dynamite is not as great as it can be. And they got a great roster and a great talent pool. And it's disappointing to see that this is where we're at when it comes to the business of professional wrestling 
within AEW. So the entire booking thing is my number 10. Number uh, um, number nine, the fact that Cody Rhodes has to be involved in everyone's first feud, just about everyone. I think I know Cody is one of the brain trust of this um, AEW. I know he's uh, one of the writers and bookers of AEW, and he has a lot of involvement of what happens in a excuse me on what happens in AEW. But let's keep it real. Cody seems to have to be a part of everybody's storyline or a part of the people that they believe are the future. And maybe, yes, you have to pick the right person to be booked against people. But Cody does not need to be involved in anything. And honest to God truth, I would like to see Cody feud with people that benefits them, but not sustains his credibility. Cody's name is forever in the test of time. He is competing against McMahon and Triple H, a.k.a. Paul Levesque. Levesque. He does not need any more on-screen accolades. And with knowing how another company works, he should be mastering the craft of making sure his company works at 110 miles per hour. And I'm not saying he's doing that. I just feel as if it's tiresome to see him have to feud with every new person that comes into AEW. That is a broader conversation and a larger conversation for another day. So I'll let that go. My number eight issue Things that I hate, things that I was disgusted, the eighth thing, the, the eighth thing that I was disgusted by in AEW. And I want to, I don't want people to think that I'm hating. You know, I don't want people to think that I'm being a piece of shit or this, that, and the other, but I got to call it out. It is the booking of all big men in AEW. Not one monster over six foot two to six foot seven or 10 or eight has been booked correctly. If you guys think that I'm bullshitting, I want you to pull up and we're going to do a little, I hate to do this in the middle of this top 10, but if you look up the AE, if you, um, if you look up AEW wrestling and you look at that roster, excuse me. If you look up that motherfucking roster, Everybody under six feet has gotten the love and the appreciation they desire. But when you look at the big men, Mr. Brody Lee, big man, Brian Cage, big man. All right. Who else we got there? That's a big motherfucker. Um, and if you guys are saying it, I don't know. Oh, Luchasaurus, Lance Archer, Lufor. Who who else are monstrous human beings in that company? Mm, as I'm looking at it, it's not many. And maybe Powerhouse Hobbs from Team Taz. Other than the Butcher, who's part of a tag team called Butcher and the Blade, these dudes are not protected. These dudes are not treated like monsters and they have no legit monster in the company. No one's being booked like the way they built, like the way they booked Kane and the way they booked Undertaker down in WWE. And I know it's two separate companies, but you telling me that because the owners of the company are a bunch of little guys 
as Jim Cornette would say, all petite wrestling is a bunch of little guys. You guys couldn't just fucking sit here and say, hey, let's let's make excuse me. Let's make sure we got one fucking monster in the company. Come the fuck on. Anyhow, moving forward. Now, this the opposite of this was on my top 10 list that I loved. But the things I hated this year in 2020 at number seven would be the Mike Tyson debacle. I did a whole episode on this, how the asshole from the UFC was backstage and filmed Mike Tyson and um, Chris Jericho celebrating doing a great angle on television. And he completely destroyed money. He fucked up everything for a company. UFC or not, I'd have beat the shit out of him in the back of the, biz- in the, back of the building. He got jumped by, by me and everybody at AEW. You blew an angle. You blew money. Vince McMahon, if I was, if I was Cody Rhodes, Vince McMahon, if, you know Vince McMahon would have sued him for destroying something like that. Why was no one backstage organizing? No cell phones, no this, no that. Why are you filming this? Yes, wrestling, wrestling is scripted and it's fake, but do not show people the beef that just went down on television being celebrated because they pulled something off. And if you notice, the Mike Tyson and Jericho thing could never move forward because of that fucking mishap. And AEW needs to get on their job by protecting that backstage area from the public on that note. Um, so that was, that, was, that was just a disappointing thing. Coming in at number six, the fact that they created no that, that, that no new stars are created. 99% of this roster is X-Impact, X-AEW, X-Ringer, Honor, people who have already made their names in the business with the exception of Darby Allen and um, what's this guy's name? Orange Cassidy. There was no stars built. They can't, you know, don't do WCW things. And I think... Yes, they had to protect the company. Yes, they had to protect belts. Yes, they had to do a lot of things, but there was legitimately no new stars built in the company. And I think that's very dangerous. You should be a company who is known for building new stars out the fucking door. No questions asked. And I think they did a piss poor job so far at building new superstars. And they're relying heavy on the WCW way of doing things let's just book old guys from other companies but not really book correctly new guys who are standing on the floor and ho- and and putting their necks and their backs on the on the on the line when it comes to all things aew <sighs> my number five thing and this one breaks my heart because i'm a big supporter of these two but the poor booking of Pentagon Jr. and Phoenix. They low-key have one of the greatest tag teams in the world of professional wrestling, and they've done absolutely nothing with them. These are guys who built their name in AAA. These are guys who built their name on that other wrestling fed that came on, the, I forget the name of that show, Lucha Underground. But you had these dudes who are fucking phenomenal, who are not scared to be risk takers, high flyers. They're not scared to be violent. They're not scared to bleed. They're willing to put their neck on the line for the advancement of professional wrestling. And you guys did nothing with them so far. They should have been your first and continued AEW tag team fucking champions. And they're almost buried on the roster now. And there is nothing that you can do with them. Very disappointing, very frustrating. I say send them to AAA, 
let them win the belts and let them go back and forth between there and AAA and build the brand with these dudes. Let them bring that American audience over to AAA and let that AAA audience head over to AEW. I think it's just a bad piece of business that they're doing with them and either let them go and let them be great or fucking do something with them. Even when I look up their tag team record, it's, it's not good. As a tag team, they're six and four. They barely wrestled as a tag team then. But they're 24 and 14 and 24 and 16, which means Ray Freenis and Pentagon Jr. or Penta El Zero, as they call them here, they didn't do much with them. They, they, they just used them as time fillers, which is not fucking good. But whatever. It's just frustrating. Um, Coming in at number four, a lot of people are going to agree with me with this. And if you disagree, you disagree. The whole women's division and the championship belt in AEW. That is not a it's a nice looking belt. If it was the 1940s, you gave the men's belt all of this love and beauty, but you shit it. Excuse me, someone's blasting their ghetto blasting music as they're driving by. But you shit it on the whole woman's fucking roster. Kenny Omega dropped the ball. AEW dropped the ball. Whoever was doing the booking dropped the ball when it came to all things women's wrestling in AEW. It did not feel equal. It did not feel like he was making a change. There were no groundbreaking fucking matches with the women at all. It was sad. It was pathetic. And that was something I was really looking forward to. Rebuild the belt. Get them a new belt. Get them a bigger belt. Get them a beautiful belt. Get them a belt that match with the times, like the AEW belt. Looks like it could be a part of the present and the future at the same time. That traditional wrestling belt was was horrible, and 95% of the people who watch the product love it. And only people who like that belt are people who like old school shit who has not readjusted truly to the times, and they always have to reference the past in order to talk about the current wrestling future update it, build that woman's brand, book that woman's brand, and give them the same time that the men get. Anyhow. I put a lot into that little one. I'm sorry. Um, Coming in at number three, which is my biggest pet peeve, relying on ex-WWE talent to help get AEW over by using WWE hate to do so. None of the WWE talent is truly successful over at AEW. They are holding the charge. They are holding the wall. But there has not been any true success from anyone in AEW, even with Chris Jericho. That's my personal opinion. I'm sticking to it. I have facts to prove it. But then that's another podcast for another day. (sighs) Coming in at number two. Trying to make wins and losses count. When Cody, they first started AEW, Cody Rose said wins and losses accounts. And the fucking fuck nuts of fans that listen to professional wrestling said, oh, my God, this is going to work. And wins and losses meant absolutely nothing and impact wrestling wins and losses in wrestling only counts when it's a 
closing to a feud, a world championship title change, and the beginning of a feud. There are only three wins that count in your career, that count in a story arc. Starting a feud, ending a feud, and world championships. Other than that, wins and losses mean absolutely nothing. Stone Cold lost all matches, but still came out with a stunner in the end. It comes down to booking and storytelling and all of these things. And the wins and losses system, if anybody believe it actually work, go look at the website of AEW. Look how uneven the wins and losses thing look at. And when you look at it, it doesn't even mean nothing. Anyhow. <laughs> Coming in at number one. And people are going to think, say I'm hating on this one. This is the, the this is this is the truth. So help me God. John Moxley being AEW champion. You counted once again on the hate of WWE wrestlers who hate WWE and left unhappy with the company. You counted on the hate of a lot of motherfucking things. And the reality and point is. Moxley did nothing for the AEW championship. Moxley winning the championship did not advance the company. It felt like they a little bit went a little bit backwards. And even though Moxley has the love and support of the fans, he's not as over as he may perceive himself to be or his cohorts that work at AEW see himself as. With John Moxley d- dumping, dropping, I mean, I said dumping because I felt like they he, they had to dump the, he had to dump that championship in general. Dropping the AEW championship to Kenny Omega should have been Chris Jericho still being champion the whole time and dropping it to Kenny Omega, which could have brought the whole closing of a circle of the whole Alpha versus Omega thing. It could have been a great storyline. Chris Jericho, you could have got a whole two to three months worth of bullshit off of Chris Jericho being upset that he lost the championship to Kenny Omega and that their feud will someday come to an end. And you could have got a great three matches out of Omega and Jericho. That's just how I feel. That belt, I don't think Moxley should have never been AEW champion just yet. Because he had not yet proved himself to us. He just had a couple of matches outside the company. But he did not keep the company steady. He did not keep the world title strong. The moment it left his waist to Kenny Omega, the world championship got stronger again, just like when Jericho had it. And now the the AEW championship has more eyes on it than ever before. Ladies and gentlemen, that is my top 10 things that I loved about AEW in the year of 2020 and things that I hated about uh, about AEW in the year of 2020. I'm your host, Dietrich Davis, and I thank you once again for listening to Wrestlers with Experience. I hope that you enjoy us. For those who listen to us, thank you for listening to us on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Podbeam, CastBox, Deezer, Tuned In, and Podcast Addict. We thank you so much. I hope to catch you guys in the next episode. 
I hope you enjoyed my top 10 love and hate. We're closing the year out strong with a lot of content for you guys. And we're going to come into 2021 with a great visual presence, a bigger visual presentation, and more interaction with you guys. I thank you so much. We appreciate you. Salute. Enjoy the day. Be safe. Wash your hands. Wash your face. Stay COVID free. Thank you.